0: Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Good morning, Sunrise Church. I wanna welcome all of you who are watching with us online, as well as those of you who are in the room. Hey, show of hands, how many of you at any point in your lives have ever had a father? Hey, that's all of us. All right, happy Father's Day to you. A lot going on today. We're looking forward to celebrating with the fathers and the father figures outside in the courtyard afterwards and celebrating baptisms too. And I'm wondering if there's somebody in here today who is going to get baptized. And uh, maybe you've already prayed to receive Christ, but you've never taken that step. We'll provide you with a shirt, shorts, a towel. Today could be the day that you get baptized as well, on Father's Day. And so right after service, there'll be some folks out here at the Easy Ups to have a conversation with you to make sure you understand what that looks like. And today could be that day. Well, it's great to be back with the church family. I want to thank those of you who are praying for us. We just got back from Kenya, Africa, a small team of us, and we had an incredible time. Uh, It was truly a life-changing trip. We were partnering up with an organization called Life in Abundance, and what they do is they partner with local churches to transform communities through holistic ministry. And you can talk about it on the phone or meet over Zoom, but we wanted to get there in person, put our feet on the ground, and see what God was doing. And so I want to tell you one quick story before we dive into today's message. Uh, Our team split up into a couple of smaller teams, and we did a bunch of home visits on one of the days, and uh, my wife and I got to meet this woman here along with Pastor Paige, Olin, this this woman here is a uh, single mom caring for these children. Her husband left her when they learned that she was HIV positive. And so living in the slums and already a stigma hanging over her head, she was now left alone to fend for herself to raise two children with no source of income. And she turned to the church, uh, assuming that she would get rejected when they found out she was HIV positive. And when the church found out, their response to her was, you are most welcome here. This is where she prayed to receive Christ, but because this church is also, yeah, it's worth, worth praying, popping for. But because the churches are learning how to help people in all aspects of their life through the, through this organization, this woman started receiving business training, and then she was able to get with a, a, a group, and she met some criteria of having savings set aside and being actively involved in her church, and she was able to apply for a small business loan. And then she was able to purchase fabrics, which she then turns into making pillows, which she resales in the market. And as a result, this woman is supporting her own family. She's putting money aside to, uh, to, to put up savings to pay down her loan and to tithe to her local church. And this is just one example of how the gospel is transforming whole lives in Kenya. And we got to be just a small part of it. And so now our team is getting together to meet to pray about how we could have long term partnership with what God is doing in Kenya. So stay tuned on that. Thanks for your prayers. Yeah. <clears throat> So today we continue with part three of our message series about spiritual warfare that we're calling Battle Ready. Now, if you pay attention to the headlines, you hear a lot about physical warfare, certainly in places like Ukraine. But what is spiritual warfare? Well, in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter six, the Apostle Paul lays it out pretty clearly for us. This is what he says in Ephesians six, verse 13. Read along with me. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the physical, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Apostle Paul wanted the church to wake up to the reality that we are in an invisible battle. And even though we can't see what's taking place in the spiritual realm, we feel its effects because it bleeds over into the physical realm. One way to look at it is like a stage, similar to the one that I'm standing on. If you've ever been to a theater to see a play or a musical or a concert, your attention is primarily focused on the front stage. But there's also a backstage. And there's all kinds of activity happening behind the curtain. There's people pulling ropes and mixing sound and directing traffic, all so that your attention can stay focused on what's happening at the front stage. And so what the Apostle Paul was saying is, yeah, you you can see all of life happening here, but where the real battle exists is behind the curtain. This is where Satan and his dark forces are pulling strings and directing affairs that are affecting us on the front of the stage. And Paul says, this is the spiritual battle. And if you're going to engage in a spiritual battle, you're gonna need spiritual weapons. And so he lists what God makes available for his people. Verse 13, So here is the weaponry that the people of God have been equipped with. Paul says there is the belt of truth. This is what we talked about last week. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he defeated sin when he died on a cross, and he defeated death when he rose from the grave. So wearing the belt of truth is following the way of Jesus, who is the truth. The belt holds all the armor together. And he mentions the breastplate of righteousness. That's what our topic will be for today. Next week, we'll talk about the boots of peace, followed by the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Now, each of these pieces individually possess great power for the believer today, but don't miss what Paul's command was. It was to put on the full armor, because when we have all of these pieces at work in our lives, then we're battle-ready. But each week, we want to break down these pieces in their singular significance. And so for today, I want to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. So what in the world is this? Well, let's divide it up a little bit, and let's first talk about breastplate. What is a breastplate? Well, the warrior would wear a breastplate to guard his most vital organ, the heart. And so breastplates back in those days were usually made up of telescoping uh, pieces of metal that overlaid some, some thin uh, mail of chains, and this would easily beset any attacks on the heart made by a dagger or an arrow or a spear, because the enemy knows that if he could wound your heart, defeat is imminent. And the same is true in life, isn't it? The heart is a vital organ, but not just for pumping blood through our system. You know, the scripture mentions the heart over 1,000 times as the place where all emotions and desires dwell. And that's why it's so important to pay attention to it. In fact, we're implored by the writer of Proverbs chapter 4 who said this in verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another translation of scripture says, the heart is the wellspring of life. This is ground zero for the battle. Satan is after your heart, and his hope is that you'll let your guard down and start giving your heart away to all the wrong things. He wants us to give our hearts away to bad relationships, people who will lead our hearts astray, people who will embitter our hearts, people who will break our hearts. He wants us giving our hearts away to bad pursuits, the pursuit of money, jobs that pay a lot but suck your soul, The pursuit of content, another show, another movie, another video. The pursuit of meaninglessness, going down shallow paths that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Satan wants you giving away your heart to bad desires, getting you all twisted up and confused over things like body image and sexuality and gender identity. Satan knows where the battlefield is. It's your heart. That's what he's after. And so is Jesus. So is Jesus. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. He says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your, say it with me, heart that you believe and are justified. This is what the enemy is trying to prevent. Because he knows that when you give your heart to Jesus, he loses ground. And that's why we need to protect it with a breastplate. But Paul says not just any breastplate, but the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the word righteous is not a word that we commonly use in our everyday language, is it? In fact, I can only think of two ways in which you commonly hear the word righteous. One is from a surfer dude. You see something cool, you know, righteous, you know. (laughs) But the other is what people say to you when they're in conflict, you know, oh, so now you're acting all self-righteous, okay? Those are probably the two most common ways that we hear it used every day. But what is righteous? What is righteousness? Here's the most simple definition that I can give you. Righteousness is living in a way that is morally right. In fact, righteousness is what is required for you to gain entrance into heaven. All you have to do is live in a way that is morally right every moment of every day. Now, that sounds hard, but I guess if you tried really, really hard, you can do it. There's just one little catch. The starting line isn't today. The starting line was at birth. So if any one of us made even the smallest mistake in our past, we're already disqualified for heaven. from heaven. We can't get in because we have to live morally right every moment of every day. Well, that eliminates all of us impossible because the only perfect person who ever lived was Jesus Christ. And so if you have to be perfect to get into heaven and Jesus is the only one who was perfect, that must mean that Jesus is the only one in heaven. Talk about an exclusive club. But here's the thing. God knew that we could not attain this kind of righteousness on our own, which is why he did this. 2 Corinthians 5:21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died to give us his righteousness. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus, when you believe in faith that he's the Son of God sent to die in our place, an exchange occurs. Jesus gives us his righteousness or his rightness, and he trades it for all of our wrongness. See, on the cross, God treated Jesus as a sinner even though he was righteous, then turns around and treats us as if we're righteous even though we are sinners. And someday... All of us are gonna get to the end of this life and we're gonna stand before Almighty God. And for all who have placed their faith in Jesus, God is gonna look at you and not see you dead in your sins but alive in the righteousness of Christ. And Christ's rightness covers all your wrongness. But that's someday. What about now? How can the righteousness of Christ Help me now. Well, the righteousness of Christ, when we're talking about this, we're talking about two things. We're talking about positional and practical. See, the the righteousness of Christ changes my position. It changes my position with God through faith in Jesus. I'm made right with God. That's positional. But then there's the practical. Because of this, I can now make righteous choices. Because of Jesus' finished work in my life, I actually possess the ability to live righteously and so when we're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness what we're doing is putting on a weapon that is both defensive and offensive it's defensive in that it protects my heart from enemy attack but it's offensive in that through my righteous living i can attack the enemy seems counterintuitive that the way in which you attack the enemy is through righteous living but think about it think about your own life Think about some of the mistakes you've made in the past. Some of us are still paying for some of those mistakes. Relational, physical, financial. Boy, we could use some righteous decision-making in our life, can't we? That's how you take it to the enemy, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. To further illustrate this to you, I want to give you an example as we draw from our nation's history. Back in 1960, Four young black college students took the world by storm when they walked into a Woolworths in Greensboro, North Carolina, a whites-only establishment, sat at the counter and asked to be served. Well, they were quickly directed to the back room, which was reserved for the colored people, but they said, no, we're going to sit here. All they wanted was a 50-cent cup of coffee. They were denied service. So they said, we're going to sit here peacefully and wait until we receive service. They waited until the entire establishment closed and never received it. Well, national news was there and covered these men known as the Greensboro Four, and pretty soon, other black college kids in the South started doing the same thing. They began sitting in to whites-only establishments as well. And in just two days, this was picking up steam in key places in the South. Well, by day three, things turned violent. Now there was angry mobs waiting in these stores for these young black college kids to come in and and demonstrate. And so these mobs began harassing the, the demonstrators. They were blowing cigarette smoke in their faces, smacking their heads with rolled up newspapers, screaming racial slurs in their ears. They dumped coffee on their clothing and milkshakes on their head, and some were burned with cigarettes. But the incredible thing is that these young demonstrators... Were unflappable. They didn't react. They didn't fight back. They sat there calm, self controlled, and waited to be served despite the fact that they're being pulled on and intimidated. Put yourself in their shoes. Do you think you could do that? Having somebody scream at you and grab you and yell things at you, do you think you can remain controlled without getting up and yelling back or throwing some fists? I don't think I could. So so who were these kids? Were they just exceptional human beings with an unusual ability to keep themselves under control? The answer is no. Every one of these demonstrators admitted that they were just average people, but here's the secret. They were average people who were battle ready. You know, just recently, I was at a museum that had an exhibition on this, and I learned something I never knew before. Did you know that before these college kids ever participated in these sit-in demonstrations, they had to undergo an intense training. They were put into a training where they were, would simulate the type of circumstances that they would face. And so the trainers would blow cigarette smoke in their faces. The trainers would scream racial slurs at them. They would dump things on their heads. They would ball up newspapers and whack them on the back of the head. And so if anybody wanted to be a part of these sit-in demonstrations, you had to pass the test. The test was simple. If you flinched, you flunked. Only the people who could stay committed to the mission, to committed to nonviolent, peaceful demonstration were the ones who were selected. And I think this is a powerful illustration of spiritual warfare and putting on the breastplate of righteousness. the, The imagery is as if Satan and his demons are surrounding the people of God and they're screaming in our faces and they're trying to intimidate us and they're trying to get us to stray from the mission. But for the people of God who are willing to put on the breastplate of righteousness and say that I'm going to stand my ground And I'm gonna live righteously despite this harassment, then a difference is made. And I think there's several lessons that we can learn from this and in what it looks like in practical terms to put on the righteousness of Christ, the breastplate of righteousness. So I identified a few of them. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's the first one: how do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Number one, build up your righteousness. In other words, we need training. I don't know about you, but living morally right and making right choices doesn't come naturally to me. I need preparation. I need practice. I need to be trained in righteousness. So how in the world do we receive this kind of training? Well, the Bible has several ideas. Here's one of them. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Those college kids didn't just walk into those whites-only establishments all willy-nilly. They were thoroughly equipped for the good work. And this is what, what, what we're implored to do as well as Christ followers. God's word. If you read and study the Bible, it has the potential to change your behavior. Our output is directly affected by God's input. And if you're wanting to make a change in your life, it's not gonna happen apart from God's word. This is how we build up our righteousness. Here's another example. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of what? Righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So here's the deal. When you and I make a mistake, when we mess up badly, God enrolls us in a special training course where he helps us to learn to be more like him and to live in such a way where we don't repeat the same mistake. So think back over your life. Think about the last time you made a major mess up, a major mistake. Ask yourself this. What did God do? Teach me. And how am I living differently as a result? If you can answer that question, then you've been trained by this righteousness. If you can't answer that question, I'm afraid you're probably going to have to repeat the course. This is another way in which we build up our righteousness. Here's one more. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You want to build up your righteousness? Make sure you're surrounded by righteous people. We need other people making morally right decisions in their life to be around us. It's really hard to make the right choices when you're with the wrong people. This is why small groups are so important. It exposes you to other believers who are trying to live out their faith. I'm the lead pastor of Sunrise Church, and I am in a small group. I don't always get it right. I don't know everything. I stray from the Lord. I need other believers in my life that I can learn from and watch how they're doing it as well. This is another way in which you can build up your righteousness, receive this kind of training. This is a way to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the first thing. Build up your righteousness. Number two. Hone in your righteousness. In other words, get focused. When you set out to address every sin in your life, you end up addressing no sin in your life. What is one area in your life right now that's just off? One area where you know you can be living more righteously in? Hone in on that. You know, the... Civil rights movement in the 1960s had so many problems. There was segregation of schools, there was police brutality, there was unfair labor practices. The list goes on and on and on. The sit-in movement didn't set out to solve all these problems. It just focused on one lane to see if they could move the needle even a little bit. And they did. It ended up being a pivotal point of the civil rights movement is as these sit-in demonstrations happened in 55 different cities in 13 states. Because they got focused. There wasn't speeches required. There wasn't an age requirement. There wasn't an education requirement. They just needed to pass the training and focus on the mission. Scripture also talks about the importance of the believers focusing when it comes to your spiritual life. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4. After the writer told us that we need to guard our hearts, he said this in verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Get focused. Give attention, special attention. So think about your life. Let's not try to focus on All 27 problems I got going on right now. Let's pick one. Let's pick one. What is that issue for you? Maybe it's overspending. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's overextending or overreacting. Maybe some of us are just falling short in areas of purity or jealousy or being lazy. What is that one area in your life That's off. Let's fix our gaze on the Lord and hone in on this. Let's start off the day praying, God, help me today to refrain from gossip. Maybe that's your one thing. God, I'm always flying off at the mouth. Lord, help me today to control my tongue. Help me, Lord, to put down my phone before it's too late. What is the one area of your life that's off where you need to live more righteously in? Hone in on that. That's an example of putting on the breastplate of righteousness. So number one, build up your righteousness. Number two, hone in your righteousness. Here's the third, live out your righteousness. Friends, listen, at some point, we have to step on the battlefield and get some victories. We've got to get some wins under our belt. We've got to get some momentum Let's go back to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6. He said in verse 13, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. God didn't give us the armor of God so that we could keep saying, I'm sorry, I'll get it right next time. The reason he gave it to us is so that when the day of evil comes, we're ready to stand. At some point in time, we got to stand. We're getting the training, we're getting the focus, we gotta make it happen. For those participating in these sit-in demonstrations, they had to get it right. The stakes were too high for the sake of the mission. And what they were trying to do was they were trying to put their behavior in stark contrast with the behavior of their aggressors. And you couldn't miss it. They were being peaceful against people who were being violent. This is exactly how Jesus lived. Jesus was unjustly arrested, he was lied about, they spit in his face, they mocked him, and he did not respond. He was unflappable in all of these moments, and people were watching. They were watching the way Jesus lived. They watched how he treated people, and they watched how he responded, and they were willing to lean into the message because his behavior was so different than the hollow religion the chief priests and the Pharisees were preaching. So people leaned into what Jesus had to say. Folks, people are watching you. They're watching how you're gonna handle this latest setback. They're watching how you're gonna handle this latest family drama. They're watching how you're gonna handle this latest rejection. At some point in time, we gotta realize, look, I've been trained, I got the armor, it's time to suit up and actually win. I gotta start making some right choices and get some momentum here. I guarantee when those those demonstrating in these sit-ins, when they're about to walk into that hornet's nest in some of those establishments, I guarantee that morning they woke up, they didn't treat that day like it was any other day. And yet how do most of us treat the day when we wake up? We grab our phones and we start mindlessly scrolling, completely forgetting about the fact that we're at war. How about we go to the throne before we go to the phone? How about we start the day in prayer before our feet hit the floor? we got to get engaged in the battle. That way, when you arrive at work, when you show up at your class, when you meet up with that difficult person, you're already positioned to have some victories. You're battle ready. At some point in time, we got to realize the day of evil is here. i got to stand my ground. Now, I fully realize that there are some who are listening to this message who say, yeah, I tried that. Uh, That didn't work. I I tried to make right choices. I tried to do the right things. It, It just didn't work. Is it possible? That's because you're wearing the breastplate of your own righteousness and not the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. Maybe Jesus is saying to you today, your own breastplate doesn't work. Wear mine. Maybe Jesus today is calling somebody to surrender your life To him, Have you ever deliberately prayed to invite Jesus into your life? Now, I'm not talking about praying that God would bless your family or that God would help you find your lost keys. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentionally inviting Jesus into your life. You know, here at Sunrise Church, we say beginning a relationship with Jesus is as simple as ABC. The A stands for admit. I have to admit my own sin. I can't be pointing the finger at everybody else. Because if I can't admit that I'm a sinner, I'll never admit my need for a savior. The B stands for believe. I have to believe that Jesus was sinless, who traded his life on the cross for mine, that I might have his righteousness. i got to believe that in faith. And the C stands for commit, saying I'm, I'm all in. I'm not just asking Jesus to save me from my latest problem. I'm actually asking him to change my heart from the inside out so I could leave my old life behind and walk in a new life with him. It's the picture we see of baptism, going under the water, death to old life, coming out of the water, alive with new life in Christ. And so if you're somebody who's never deliberately invited Christ into your life, I want to help you do that today. Everyone in the room, those watching online, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you a prayer that you could repeat after me. I'll give you the words, but you have to mean them. you got to pray them in faith. So if you're ready to invite Christ into your life, then repeat after me as we pray. Just say this silently in your own heart. Jesus, today I give you my heart. You just lift those words straight up to heaven. Jesus, today I give you my heart. I admit my sins before you and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on a cross for me, Jesus. You took the punishment meant for me. Today I place my faith in you. Today I commit my ways to you. Will you change my heart so that I could live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, we want to know about it. Those of you who are watching online, press that button that says, I commit my life to Christ. Those on our social channels, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, let us know, today I committed my life to Christ. All of you in the room, you have a program with a little perforated strip at the bottom. There's a box on there that says, I said yes to Jesus. Just check that box, and in just a moment, our ushers are gonna come around to collect today's offering. You could drop that slip right in there or stop by our next table on the way out. There are some of you who've prayed to receive Jesus, but you're not growing, you're not moving at all. So here's what we'd love for you to do. We want you to take the next step by texting the word next to 909-281-7797. One of our staff people is on the other end of that phone just waiting for that text to arrive and they'll exchange some messages with you to help customize your next step. That might be joining a small group or serving in the church or maybe you just need somebody to talk to. Text next to 909-281-7797 or feel free to stop by our next table in the lobby for all of us who are at the live gathering. Friends, the Apostle Paul instructed believers to put on the full armor of God. That means it's not automatic. Take some effort. Now, most of us put some effort into getting ourselves ready in the morning. I highly doubt that you're rolling out of bed and just going about your day with whatever you slept in. Some of you do that. But most of us look in the mirror and say, I need to put a little effort into this. I need to do my hair. I need to brush my teeth. I need to change my clothes. Let's put some effort into our spiritual lives as well. This week, let's put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's build up our righteousness through God's word, through learning from our mistakes, through surrounding ourselves with righteous people. Let's hone in our righteousness by focusing on the one area of our lives right now that needs to be strengthened, and then let's go live out our righteousness. God has given us the tools. He's given us the weapons. Jesus has already won the war. So let's walk in victory. You believe it? Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word NEXT to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by some time and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.